0: tactical firearms training, urban survival, close-quarters combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. It was General George Patton who was often quoted with a variation of a speech that he gave during World War II, and he was saying that the object of war is not to die for your country but to make the other bastard die for his. I remember that from being in the military, we used to we used to say that all the time. And it's not that far off of a stretch to adapt this same concept to the civilian defender who will stop at nothing to keep themselves and those they love, safe from the violent predators that are on our streets and invading our homes. When you're facing an attacker, and it's kill or be killed. There's only one choice. And you had better be prepared not only to make that choice, but also to carry it out with the skills that are necessary to end that attack quickly and decisively. But just how easy or difficult is it to take a life, especially when you're unarmed? So what targets and counterattack strategies can you use to defend yourself and your family if you have no choice but to potentially take someone's life to save your own? So that's what we're here to find out. So, hey everybody this is jeff anderson executive director of warriorlife.com and the warrior life academy and with me today to talk about life or death combatives is someone who's been on our show many times over the years and he is a leading authority in street combatives damian ross damian welcome back to the program man
1: hey man uh really great to see you again and fantastic being here thank you again for having me on appreciate it
0: yeah, no, I always love, love you. I love your like truly like a no BS attitude with this stuff, which is kind of like I've become like a cranky old dude lately. and uh, Isn't it in great the, uh, in the tactical niche? Yeah, it is. It's like it's I don't liberated. give a shit about anything anymore. It's like lost... liberated. <laughs> I love this.
1: <laughs> a lot of crap to get through to you know to get to this point. So yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> That's
0: right. We've we've earned the right not to give a shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, listen, everybody, if this is your first time checking out Damien's work, his background runs the spectrum of a lot of different fighting arts out there from his entry as a star collegiate wrestler to black belt ranking and several traditional martial arts as well as expertise in armed and unarmed lethal combative systems that are grounded in like the World War II trench fighting strategies, as he was mentored by the late and the legendary Carl Sestari. i've been following damien's work for years and there are basically way too many videos and courses on his website that i could ever talk about here on the show but what's always stood out for the most of me for uh, for damien's training is he really does have that no bullshit approach to training people in how to end a fight as quickly as possible with whatever it takes even if that means taking an attacker's life in order to save your own so to go check out more of damien's training make sure you visit him online over at street defense training com all right damien so let's go ahead and dive into this um the first question i have for you around lethal combatives is is about the legal and the moral angle when it comes to lethal force so sure. what does everyone need to know when it comes to lethal techniques and when would you even use these types of methods
1: well <clears throat> first off there's no illegal or legal technique you know, there's not like a, you know, a sh- for self-defense, there's not like a, uh, use a strangle, that's an illegal technique. There's no law that has a, a list of, you know, what you can and cannot do in the street. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're in the act of defending yourself, you know, and your attacker has showed intent, ability, and access, then you're justified to use force. Now, of course, there's excessive force, and that's not what we're talking about. You know, in any situation where you or your loved ones in harmed way, it's your best interest to stop the attack as fast and as efficiently as possible. If your attacker winds up, you know, unconscious, severely injured or dead, you know, you really can't think about that in the moment of the attack. You know, we see that most people can live with that decision. Again, if you're, uh, put yourself in a situation, if you live your life where, and I think most of us do, and especially people who take their training seriously and dedicate some some time and energy to it you actually put a value on violence and you're not and you're and you're because you know the potential of the outcome which again could be somebody seriously injured or dead uh, especially yourself (laughs) um you know you have a tendency to avoid that so you know you get into trouble when you start to continue your assault or your defense beyond stopping the initial attack. So, you know, anyone who carries a firearm should have already worked this out by the way, you know, because you acknowledge there are situations where you have to use your, uh, use deadly force. I mean, it's really no different. And the idea that you're only going to use your gun, if he has a gun, well, uh, that's not exactly a common situation. In fact, you know, most CCWs will face someone who they don't know is armed, but it's you know. But if you carry, it doesn't matter because a weapon is always involved, and it's your gun. So if you're carrying, it's it's imperative that you do everything in your possible everything possible to end the attack as soon as possible. And you know the thing to remember is that you know this isn't for somebody who's a, who's an annoyance. You know this is your life is at stake. You know, there's really no distinction between, you know, knocking them out or killing them. I mean, your assailant must not be able to continue his assault, period. You know, going into a life and death confrontation with someone who is capable of seriously injuring you, you can't adapt the attitude that you're going to, you know, control them or use methods that are kinder or gentler because anything less than 100%, as fast as possible, you know, as as quickly as possible, is going to give them an an opportunity and the opening to kill you. Hmm. Yeah, I mean,
0: you bring up some great points and and you're right. Like, I guess lethal force is lethal force, right? Like if your life's in danger, whether you have a gun in your hand, a toothpick in your hand or nothing in your hand, if you have to defend yourself and potentially use lethal force, then, you know, you just got to make sure that you are, you know, you're, you're checking those boxes because you might end up in court, which, which does, you know, it makes me also think like I've, um, you know, one of the, one of the lives I've had this lifetime is, uh. Mm -hmm is doing a lot of uh security work in like high gang areas. And I, I mean, I've seen so many like gang gang fights, whether whether it was initiation that happened, or whether it was one gang on another, or, like a lot of times it'd be like seven people just like stomping on some guy. And in, in breaking that stuff up, I, I remember like, people don't know how de- how, how lethal even an accidental move could actually be. So the other oh, thing that okay. comes to mind for me, like for your, like, I know you have like a program that talks about lethal, like basically like operation Phoenix is about yes. lethal moves. And so right. if you know how to potentially kill somebody, let's just be blunt about it. And mm-hmm. right. you also know how not to kill somebody as well, which can also come in to play in court. Like if you're, let's say that, you know, somebody you are on, on stand for something of using, you know, breaking somebody's legs or something. It's like, they right. say, well, well, this was excessive force. Well, but I had these other targets available to me, which would have been lethal. Right. And this so is, I took yeah. the, I, you know, you're welcome. You're alive, right. you know, so, right. so it, that's right. a, there's some really good points in there. And I think um, it, it behooves everybody to, to know these types of techniques. So well,
1: it's, you know, it's, it's funny, because you talk like, you know, anyone who's taken any martial arts, type of training you know they even in the most vanilla mall strip mall martial arts they always skirt around the issue of killing but then they'll be stopping people when they're down and they'll be doing all of the things that you know quite honestly we you know we discuss openly um so you know the um you know whether you know whether you choose to yeah stop their th- no, so let's talk about it. Stop their throat or stop their legs. You know, at least you knew, hey, I knew not to stop their throat. But then that gets into what, what I mentioned before is excessive force. You know, you want to stop the attack, right? And it's different making a decision when somebody's on the ground and you're standing over them than making than having to make that choice when they're standing in front of you. Mm. Right. So, you know, and that's where I think people's morals definitely kick in because again, if you're, if you're a compassionate person, you know, you're not going to do something that is going to, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to do something excessive. You know, we just want to do something fast and as fast as possible, you know, and just that's it.
0: Yeah. Good point. Yeah. (laughs) So obviously not all targets are lethal when it comes to using your, your hands and your feet as, as weapons. So, so doing some target analysis here on the human body, like what sure. are some examples of potentially deadly targets that people can identify?
1: Now, we uh, break this into general areas because, again, under stress, you know, some people get really into uh, the minutiae of, oh, you got to attack like the, I don't know, I'm speaking out of, out of my ass right now, but like gallbladder six or some kind of pressure point that's hidden under the armpit. No, none of that nonsense. <laughs> Uh, The four ways people die, you know, loss of oxygen, loss of blood, internal bleeding and shock, you know, knowing this will allow you to determine which target areas to uh, attack and how to attack them. I mean, first and foremost, the head, you know, it's extremely vulnerable. The brain sits in a brain pan. It's attached to the skull by a thin, very thin membrane. You know, think of it as a liquid suspension system. And if that system is disrupted or broken, then the brain can't function. And if the brain can't function, well, nothing else does. You know, to achieve this, we have to cause referral shock. And simply put, you want the brain bouncing around in the brain pan. And you can do that, you know. And if you can strike with enough force, either the linear or rotational axis, when you say linear or rotational axis, see, I brought my little handy dandy uh, head here. So linear, yes, and no, right? So, you know, you're coming in either with like a chin jab with a post or like a uh, heal the hand across the chin or a, an elbow strike, um, anything that would like really rattle the brain and, or even, uh, kink the, uh, brainstem or the base of the, uh, base of the skull can, uh, you know, cause the damage that you're looking for, you know? So, uh, the other areas, you know, the back the vertebrae, the spine, you know, starting from the brainstem down, it is. You know, it's responsible for the entire nervous system. So it's a network of the body. So if we can damage the spine, it cuts off communication to the body. You know, we can achieve this through like neck dislocations or spine, spine compression techniques. Of course, you've got the air, airway respiratory system. You know, this is, a direct, uh, this is the direct entry to stop someone from breathing. You know, along the sides of the neck, you have the carotid artery and the vargus nerves. You know, these are the conduits, uh, conduits to the circulatory system, including the heart. Of course, the throat windpipe is another preferred target. An edge of hand strike or any variety of combative strangles will get the job done. You know, also there's, you know, the good old tried and true testicles. You know, now the problem that I have with how people practice this i mean you got to keep in mind they either got to be smashed into the pelvic bone or grabbed and crushed you know many people practice you know just striking at the testicles which you know really doesn't work because you got to think of them as a speed bag and they're actually designed i'm gonna do my little testicle impression here (laughs) to slip and move (laughs) right so i mean that's why they're there it's funny like when we were when i started training in judo i noticed like all the um you know the the Japanese, you know, the guys who are really into it and, you know, especially the guys that came from Japan, no one wore underwear. They're just free ball. And they're like, I'm like, why is like, well, you know, because when, the, again, you don't think of it as a striking art, but if, you know, anyone knows you're coming in for like uchimata or inner thigh throw, I mean, you catch a lot of calves and chins in that area. Um, being loose allows them to move. So, you know, that wasn't lost on me, but, uh, So when you're, again, when you were attacking this area, again, it's either got to be straight up and in, or again, crushing. And then finally, uh, other areas, other areas worth mentioning They're sec, these are secondary techniques because they require a lot more power. uh, And you usually, you know, if you can't generate with that with an edge of hand, you know, you can use a impact weapon. Uh, these would be the, um, the blood and fluid organs of the liver, the spleen, the kidneys, and the, and of course the urinary bladder. Hmm
0: okay all right wow that's a that's a little Sorry, bit of a, man. That's, a, that's an interesting roadmap. and uh the people that, that aren't <laughs> watching this that are listening only uh damien does an awesome testicle uh, uh oh. impression it's awesome
1: <laughs> hey man you know i'm like i'm a very visual person <laughs>
0: uh, damien one of the areas that you cover in the operation phoenix training is what you call ocular shocks yeah which frankly Sounds awesome. It just sounds completely bad. It's just by the name. So, right. so what are ocular shocks and what's an example of how somebody can use this strategy in like a real life or death attack?
1: So these are obviously, uh, from the word ocular, these are techniques that attack the eyes and the face. Uh, first and foremost, even the, um, even the, the slightest amount of, um, uh, anything towards anybody's face, the natural reaction is to, you'll get a reaction of them. So at their, at their, I guess at their, uh, you know, at the least effective, you'll get a distraction or a, uh, a blink to get them off course. So you can follow up with a stronger technique. Uh, the, uh, you know, you won't be able to, and you see this a lot where people be like, you know, poking somebody eyes and thinking they're going to end the fight. No, the reality is people move their head, people, um, uh, you know, squint and react. So those aren't really going to do the job, but to really get that ocular shock uh, you have to secure the head and get into the eyes and you get deep enough into the eyes, like driving. And one of the techniques we'll teach is driving in the corner of the eyes. And I don't know now that for recording purposes Again, I've got a little dummy here that I'm demonstrating on, but like gripping behind the ears, driving into the corner of the eyes and digging deep into the eyes while you're shaking and banging that head, either, you know, rattling it as a distraction or banging it off the ground or any other hard surface or wall. Um, this is what we're really talking about. You can use your, you know, uh, your, your, uh, thumbs, you can use your chin, uh, you know, when you're up close and personal, uh, getting that uh driving that uh dr- into the eyes deep enough where you're causing instant shock to your attacker and that is you know that ends it and mm. that's the ocular shock technique and when we do an operation phoenix we give you a couple options of mm. how you can do that and like the uh like the thumb the double thumb gouge with the ear anchor that i mentioned
0: yeah yeah. Damien. another area that you cover <laughs> in your Operation Phoenix training is what you call symmetry attacks, um, which is interesting because I know like, you know, street fights and attacks are dynamic. They're, they're constantly changing. So right. can you explain what that means for those people that are, that are listening or watching and maybe give an example of how this would be used when you're justified for lethal force?
1: Sure. A symmetry attack is anything that can, you can do to both the front and the back of the body. Or really anywhere on the body. So take the chin jab we talked about. You know, from the front, you could connect with the chin, but from the rear, you can hit the base of the skull. Both of which will cause damage, and more importantly, they're not going to cause damage to you. So the ability to practice your know, symmetry attacks and symmetry techniques is extremely important because it it cuts down, exi- you know, what you have to train and what you have to practice. So now you only have to get good good at or proficient at like let's just say four techniques than being like okay at eight plus like as you mentioned in the uh you know the in the fracas if you will you know there's a you know a lot of movement and even you know let's take a punch for example if I go to punch somebody in the temple or the ear or the jaw hinge and then they move just a couple inches not even they just turn their head a little bit now I'm punching their skull which means I'm shattering my knuckles you know, I mean, it's a very good chance. And even though I spend a lot of time conditioning my hands, uh, it's more for therapy hitting the Makawara than anything else. But the, um, you know, the reality is now, uh, you know, you've got, you know, you've got uh, a hand that's incapacitated. And if you carry a weapon, you know, now how are you going to operate that weapon system with a broken hand? So, Having separate techniques for the front and back of your attacker, you know, also leads to, you know, it leads to confusion. You know, you never know what's going to come out during a real attack, you know, and, that's, and this is why one thing we got to remember, we always have to, you know, you always have to seek to simplify, don't add, subtract, you know? So again, your target's not just going to stand there. So having techniques that you can use virtually anywhere on the body, um, is critical, critical for your success.
0: Hmm damon one other area that you talk about i just have to ask you about it because it's another one of those like i love the t- i love the terms that you come up with i don't know maybe you didn't come up with this i don't know but right. um blood organ disruption which yes. makes me wonder does anybody have blood disruption.com? like i should probably go check for that oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> but uh but just the visual of that is pretty gnarly um so if you would kind of explain what blood organ disruption is And maybe an example of a technique that someone would use to disrupt somebody's blood and organs. Right.
1: As I mentioned before, uh, the blood fluid organs, you know, liver, spleen, kidneys, and of course the urinary bladder, I mean, these are highly susceptible to damage and injury. You know, think of the, uh, think of these organs as a sponge, right? Kidneys, liver, spleen, you know, all, you know, loaded up. So now when you strike them with your, like an edge of hand or better yet an impact weapon, like a blackjack. You know, this causes them to evacuate the blood. And when the, so it gets into the body and what happens when the blood returns is a massive drop in blood pressure and they will lose unconsciousness. They're going to be out. They're going to drop. I mean, if you're watching boxing, you know, you've seen kidney shots, rabbit punches. I mean, this is why these uh, techniques are legal in boxing and the belt is where it is. Cause you hit somebody in the body. And if this ever happened to you, it sucks. I mean, Again, you know, this is, has to be, you know, there has to be tra- trained a little bit more, um, requires a little bit more power. But, you know, this is, again, if you're using this, is why we carry things like weapons and saps and things like that, because, you know, there's force multipliers. So you can, you know, you can just give them a crack. So imagine yourself, you're locked up with somebody and then you've got your blackjack in your head and you just start hammering their kidney, you know, they're going to go down. And as for the bladder, especially when it's filled, You know, it can be ruptured, causing intense pain, you know, as well as putting toxins directly into the blood. But a lot of the things that we focus on are for, you know, really just causing the, you know, it's really just fight stopping, stopping the fight as fast as possible with the minimal regard for your target. Hmm.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And those are, those are (laughs) targets that I think a lot of people don't really think about because they're not. Like if you go to you go to punch somebody, typically everybody's just doing haymakers to the head. Anyway, they're just right. trying to nail that out there. But right, but you know they don't. So oftentimes I think, and and I think a lot of people can see this. What I find interesting, like if you watch any like MMA fights, any you know UFC or something like that, a lot of times. I mean, it's always easy to be outside of the octagon and be right, yeah. these things, right. you know, right. But right. you do see a lot of openings that way. Like that's what I find is is pretty interesting. Um, I think what also limits people also uh, as well, though, because you brought up like there are legal moves in, in, MMA, in MMA and boxing right. and things like that. There's a reason why they're illegal, because they can potentially be debilitating, cause injury, cause permanent injury or even kill somebody. So obviously, they don't they don't that does something for the ratings. That well, might actually increase the ratings. nonetheless. Well, less, right. but, well yeah.
1: you know, to your point, and people don't realize that sports, all sports are designed for safety right. They're they're not designed for the combatants to go in there and get severely injured. And this is a good thing. And then guys, they're going to be wrong. I mean, professional fighters and professional athletes are professional athletes and they're Mm -hmm. no one to be trifled with. Right. So, you know, let's make no mistake, but you know, when you're going in these, you know, you're, you're training deliberately to avoid these types of you know you know these types of techniques and target areas and the problem is when you if this is how you trained and this is what you focus on when you're under extreme stress you're going to fall back on your training and you never know like we say you never know really what's going to come out in a fight so let's cut out all the stuff that could potentially you know, put me in harm's way. You know, why would I go off somebody's, why if I had some position of dominance and I was on top of somebody, why would I fall off of them to, to, to break their arm, right. In an arm bar, you know, like a juju katami or, you know, why would I do that? You know, when I could ground and pound them and just freaking and finish it and get the hell out of there, stand up and finish them with my boots. So this is why, you know, we've got, you know, this type of specific training, because again, we're talking about life or death. And, you know, it's man, you know, when you're under stress, as you know, and I know, you know, you see some interesting reactions, right? Of people. It's like, why the hell did you do that? It's like, I don't know. Like, I know we always talk about, you know, the California Highway Patrol years ago, you know, you probably heard this story because we all have in shooting where when they go to the range, they were using revolvers and they would dump their brass and then bend over to collect it. And what was happening is that during a gunfight, you know, some guys were doing that and leaving cover to pick up their brass. So, you know, these muscle uh, memory that we program into us is, you know, so hypercritical, uh, you know, if we're in high stress.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and you make a, you make a really great point there because I mean um, because people that, so if you're if you're watching what we consider maybe to be the most brutal sport, like a, a UFC, where it's like right. you know for no sure. holds barred is kind of like a limiting you know term for it. But, right. but what we're conditioned not to attack all of these areas that you're talking about or do this kind of damage. We're conditioned from the time that we're kids, right. and then we watch sports so online. We we think that it's like real. It's real fighting and it's really not fighting i mean like to your point like they're incredible athletes but we're watching like they're not doing the brutal things they're not shoving their finger into somebody's eye as deep as they possibly can and so we really don't have a lot of exposure to those types of techniques and so when you get in a fight you don't really have anything anchored in there to draw from as a tool in your toolbox to be able to bring it out when you actually might need it i think you know people that know people that take you know firearms training that carry Um, that's a a little bit different but still when it comes to -to hand-to-hand training unless you really know how to do it um practice a little bit and how to do it at least at least the knowing now at least watch something to understand the concept of it and that these things are deadly i think is is really really critical um so yeah i mean we've gone over a lot of stuff today i mean um, listen everybody the damien's program that covers specific i mean there's he has a lot of programs out there so if you go to street defense training dot com. That's going to take you over to his main web. So you'll be able to check out some of the videos that he has there as well as all the courses and, and everything there. Um, this one that we're talking about is Operation Phoenix, which is specifically about lethal techniques. And he, I think they're covered in other areas as well. Another, another training that he has. But I mean, this is, I think this really is a, I think an under an undervalued or an underutilized skill out there for anybody, whether you are into martial arts, self-defense training, combatives, firearms, knives, it doesn't matter. Like the whole topic uh, these days, I think is real. I think people are trying to are, are somewhat shying away from it. I think it's something that we really need to dive into to better understand it. You need to understand it as as a defender of yourself and your family. So definitely go and check out his website over at streetdefensetraining.com. And until our next broadcast is Jeff Anderson saying, prepare, train and survive. survive